Nicole Pictures and you are listening to the Reasonable Woman podcast, a legal podcast for all you law enthusiasts out there. Feel free to shoot me an email about any of your subject suggestions at thereasonablepodcast at gmail.com. This episode is going to be dedicated to the 1957 Euratom Treaty, which, as before mentioned in the previous episode, was one of the three initial main treaties of the history of the EU. In contrast to the Treaty of Paris, Euratom, the treaty establishing the European Atomic Energy Community, is still in force. It was originally created to coordinate member state research programmes for the peaceful use of nuclear energy, and today it helps pool knowledge, infrastructure and the funding of nuclear energy. Just a little context before we talk about the actual treaty. The integration of member states to the European steel and coal community was not always successful, as the failure of the 1954 European Defence Community showed. The plan of this was to create a European army, eventually allowing the Germans to join in as well. But this idea didn't really go down well in France, and it was eventually rejected in 1954 by the French National Assembly. There were quite a few reasons for this decision. One, there were concerns that a European defence community would threaten national sovereignty. There were concerns of the UK's absence to the EDC. And furthermore, not everyone liked the idea of militarising West Germany again. Although after this, West Germany joined NATO, which performs many of the same functions originally proposed in the EDC. So after this failure, however, there came the 1955 Messina Conference, which attempted to relaunch the European process and further meetings between ministers and experts began. In early 1956, a committee was set up tasked with the objective of preparing a report to create a European common market. In April of the same year, the committee, chaired by the then Belgian Foreign Minister P.H. Spark, proposed two ideas, creating a generalised common market and the creation of an atomic energy community. These projects became the treaties establishing a European Economic Community, the EEC, and the European Atomic Energy Community, or Euratom. Together, these two will be known as the Treaties of Rome, which no doubt you will come to hear a lot about if you're learning law. I'll be addressing the European Economic Community Treaty, which established the common market, in the next episode. For now, we'll focus on Spark's second idea, creating an atomic energy community. In the 1950s, there was a general shortage of conventional energy, and the six original ECSC member states saw nuclear energy as a way of acquiring energy independence. Investing in nuclear energy on your own was simply not possible, so the member states joined together to create Euratom. Article 1 states that the community was to contribute to the raising of the standard of living within member states and contribute to the development of relations with other countries by creating the necessary conditions for the speedy establishment and growth of nuclear energies. In order to perform this task, the community will promote research, establish uniform safety standards to protect worker health and that of the general public, facilitate investments and encourage ventures, to make certain that nuclear materials are not diverted to purposes other than those for which they are intended, using appropriate supervision. This last promise stresses how Euratom's powers are to be limited to only peaceful civil uses of nuclear energy. The Euratom Treaty introduced an extremely comprehensive and strict arrangement of safeguards to ensure that these materials are not diverted from civil use, particularly military purposes. 
The EU now has exclusive powers in this area and now have a team of 300 inspectors who enforce these safeguards and who are allowed to inspect the territories of other member states, having access at all times to all places and data and to all persons who, due to the occupation, deal with materials, equipment or installations subject to said safeguards. So how does Eurotum actually achieve its tasks? Task one is the promoting of research and ensuring the dissemination of technical information. The Commission asks member states and individuals to tell them of their nuclear research programmes and regularly publishes a list of nuclear research sectors they consider to be under-researched as well as establishing a joint nuclear research centre which has now become a leader in nuclear research. Task two is the establishing uniform safety standards. Every member state needs to ensure to have the appropriate provisions to ensure compliance with the basic standards established by the treaty, whether it be by legislation, regulation or administrative action. This can also be obtained through training or extra education. Legislation has been created on things such as the maximum levels of radioactive contamination of food that are, consider- that are considered permissible. Lastly, task three is the facilitating of investments and ensuring the establishment of basic installations necessary for the development of nuclear energy in the EU. The Commission basically publishes illustrative nuclear programmes that show the nuclear energy production targets and the investment needed to attain the target. The original Eurotum Treaty used to have 234 articles. This has now been reduced to 177, thanks to the treaty amending the Treaty on the European Union and the European Community Treaty. Now, I'm just going to summarise the structure of the treaty. The first title of the Eurotum Treaty is about the seven tasks for the community. The second title sets out the provisions to encourage nuclear energy progress, such as research, health and safety, investment, etc. The third title concerns the community institutions and general financial provisions. The fourth title concerns the specific financial provisions. And the last two titles are regarding general provisions and those relating to the initial period, with things like setting up the institutions, which were what one calls the institutional triangle, basically the Council, Commission and the European Parliament. The treaty also has five annexes and two protocols. What is unique about this treaty is that there have been no major changes made since its entry into force, and also the European Atomic Energy Community has not merged with the EU. Thus, it remains a separate legal entity, even though it shares the same institutions with the EU. So you've probably noticed how I haven't gone through the treaty article by article. I found when learning about Eurotum, the context and the history behind the treaty and what it achieved in conjunction with the EEC was more worthwhile. I will most definitely have to go a bit further into the EEC treaty than Eurotum, but what I think you can take away from this episode in particular is the historical context upon which it is built, which was the slow but sure progression of the common market, which the EEC treaty addresses, and the then three major tasks. In summary, these were 1. Promoting research and making sure information is distributed among member states. two. Establishing uniform safety standards, which of course is pretty useful if you're dealing with nuclear energy. And three, facilitating investments and ensuring there are basic installations available to encourage nuclear energy development. I'll be leaving you guys with this for today, and in the next episode we'll run through the final of the three treaties, the EEC Treaty, which in my mind is arguably the most important of the three. Until next time, bye!